Father, we thank you for your word. As we look at these familiar verses this morning, we pray that we won't be dull to the impact of them. We won't be dull to what you are saying. But that by your spirit we'll be eager and ready to hear what you say to us this morning and to live out who we are as citizens of your kingdom. So be with us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you have a picture of a Christian, a, a, a typical Christian. I wonder if you have an image in your mind. When I used to attend certain um, Christian conferences, um, we would always play a game as we'd walk from the car park to the church building or wherever it was that this conference was happening. We'd play the game of uh, who is a Christian. And it was often those, we figured it out, it was often those who had sort of colourful cords on and rugby-style shirts. And so when we saw them, we'd, we'd, we'd uh, watch out for them again when we were in the, in the church building or in the conference centre to see how many we'd guess right. And what a wonderful game uh, that was. We had that stereotypical picture of what a Christian looks like. Uh, and I think uh, the world does, uh, has that stereotypical picture uh, that Christians are to behave in a certain way and not to do certain things, uh, have certain attitudes uh, and, uh, and leave behind uh, other things. I'm often questioned, and I don't know why, because I don't do it too often, but um, when people see me with a, a, a pint of lager in my hand, uh, they say, should he be doing that as a Christian? This morning, as we uh, look at chapter 5 of Matthew, we begin at the well-known Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus shows us uh, what the Christian life looks like. So we don't have to come up with our own pictures. Uh, those stereotypes we might have might be right or wrong. Uh, but Jesus doesn't leave us wondering what the Christian life looks like. He shows us uh, what it is. And so at uh, this Sermon on the Mount, these very familiar words, uh, we need to come uh, looking at them this morning uh, not being over familiar with what they say because that over familiarity that we can have with uh, verses such as these uh, can lead to us missing what Jesus is saying and so we're in the Sermon on the Mount we're looking at the Beatitudes mainly this morning this is one of uh, five teaching blocks in Matthew's Gospel uh, from here until chapter 7 and we see Jesus' first teaching block in Matthew's gospel. Last week we saw Jesus uh, preaching. Uh, and this is what he preached. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus came as the king of this kingdom. And he says, to be part of my kingdom you need to repent. You need to turn from sin. You need to have that sorrow for sin. And you need to be transformed uh, as you turn and follow me and so having said that uh, this is what it is to be part of uh, be part of my kingdom this is how people enter we repent and believe and that's only possible because Jesus came and died for us Jesus then moves into this sermon on the mount where he says because you are because you have repented and believed because you are part of my kingdom because you're a citizen within it this is what it looks like to live in my kingdom 
kingdom. And so that's the first thing that we see. Uh, we are citizens of the kingdom. There's a huge crowd following Jesus. He, he's healed many. He's uh, healed people with disease, those suffering great pain. He's cast out demons. He's healed the paralyzed. Uh, he's taught great things even uh, already. Uh, and large crowds are following Jesus. And so Jesus takes a step back. He goes up to the mountainside uh, with his uh, disciples. Uh, and this huge crowd is listening in as Jesus begins uh, to teach them. And as we've seen so far, there are lots of parallels and lots of links that Matthew wants us to make with what's going on here. Uh, and so we've seen that Jesus is the new Adam, the one who resisted temptation. He didn't give in as Adam did. Uh, Jesus uh, resisted. We've seen that he is the true son of God. He, is, uh, he stands where Israel failed. And we see, uh, again this morning, links with the Old Testament uh, as we see parallels with Moses. And so Jesus as a baby escaped that massacre of children uh, as he fled to Egypt. Moses uh, escaped that massacre of children then as he was rescued uh, from that basket. We see Moses going up to Mount Sinai to re receive uh, the law. Here we see Jesus going up uh, on the mountain uh, to teach the disciples. Moses spoke with authority now here in Jesus, there is a new authority. Jesus is the uh, greater one. He is greater than Moses. He came, Jesus, uh, to deliver his people. Uh, and now he gives them his word. One writer put it like this. Just like Moses, the great redeemer, speaking of Jesus, has cried out, let my people go. He has removed their shackles. He has killed their harsh taskmaster. He's buried his body in the sand. He has crushed the power of the dark pharaoh with one plague after another. And he has led his people to freedom across the parted sea. Here is Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, the one who is greater than Moses. And he sits down and he teaches that this is what it looks like to be a citizen of my kingdom. And so the first thing we see is that link between the Old Testament and Jesus, but we also see that the Beatitudes is not a list of things you must do to be part of the kingdom. We don't have a list of requirements to meet, and if you meet and tick all the boxes, then you'll be part of my kingdom. That's not what we have as we look at these Beatitudes. As you'll remember, uh, with Israel, as they were rescued from Egypt, God saved them and then he gave them his law. And that's what we have here. We are first saved and brought into his kingdom. And then he shows us this is what it looks like to live as one who is a citizen of my kingdom. And so the Beatitudes are not a standard that we have to live up to to earn our way into his kingdom. It is showing us that this is what it looks like to be part of the kingdom. We are people who have turned to Christ, who, who are confident in him, not in ourselves. 
And Jesus says, now you are part of my kingdom because you've repented and believed in me. This is what it looks like to live in my kingdom. Nine times we're given um, that word blessed uh, in the Beatitudes. Uh, It's a a word used in the Old Testament to describe uh, those who have experienced the gift of salvation. The blessed ones are those whose faith and trust is in Jesus, who find salvation in him. One writer put it like this, or paraphrased it like this, God's gift of salvation is given to the poor in spirit. God's gift of salvation is given to those who mourn and so on and so on. I think it's a helpful way of seeing what the Beatitudes are all about. If we replace that word blessed with God's gift of salvation is is given to those and the list of the Beatitudes. And so we have the first one. Uh, Those who have received the gift of salvation, uh, those who are blessed are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first mark of one who belongs to Christ's kingdom is that they recognize that they are spiritually poor and bankrupt before God. It's a picture uh, of a beggar who sits on the ground with his uh, arm outstretched, covering his face, uh, hoping uh, that somebody uh, will help him. It's that total dependence upon other people. No way of supporting uh, themselves. Nothing to offer except to stretch out their hand uh, to others. And that's how we stand before God. We have nothing to offer. We are completely bankrupt before him because of sin. And we read here, Jesus says, if, you're, if you recognize uh, that before God you are spiritually bankrupt, that you have sinned greatly before God, uh, then you are blessed. You are part of my kingdom. If all you can do is stretch out your hands and cry out to God, then you are one of my kingdom. You possess the kingdom of heaven. That is who we are. We are part of his kingdom when we recognize that. And Jesus isn't, in these Beatitudes, bringing something new. They're all linked to the Old Testament. And so Isaiah 66 says, Has not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. And so those who are poor in spirit, as we saw last week, recognize sin and have that contriteness of heart, that sorrow over sin, as we'll see again in a moment. It's to them uh, who are part of uh, Christ's kingdom. And it made me think of that great old hymn, Rock of Ages, a cleft for me. And there's a verse that begins, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. If that is our attitude, uh, then we are part of God's kingdom. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Uh, Those in Christ's kingdom, those who have turned and repented and have found salvation in Christ, will have sorrow over their sin, will recognize their shortcomings, will mourn and grieve 
over that. And as we're on our knees weeping over our sin, Christ comes and puts his arm around us and comforts us. He comforts us as we mourn our sin. Again, Isaiah 61 speaks of God coming to comfort all who mourn. And here, Christ is the one who does that. Because he came and gave his life for us. When we're on our knees weeping over sin, that is when God comes to comfort us. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In Psalm 37 we read, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. God's kingdom comes not to the strong and the powerful, but to the meek and to the gentle, to those who humble themselves before God. They are the blessed ones and they will inherit the earth. Then we get to verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you've ever been out on a long walk on a hot summer's day, you can grasp something of the idea of being thirsty, not being able to even swallow your own spit in your mouth. Your mouth is that dry. You're desperate for water. And so here, there's a hunger and thirst, not for physical water and bread, but for spiritual water and bread. It's a hunger and thirst for the things of God, a hunger and thirst for a right relationship with Him. And that hunger and that thirst is met in Christ. There is complete satisfaction in Him. And the more we hunger and thirst, the more we are satisfied in Him. The world looks for satisfaction all over the place. But true and lasting satisfaction only comes when we turn to Jesus and trust in Him. All this so far that we've seen is made possible only because of Jesus, the King, who came and gave his life for us. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Psalm 18, to the faithful, show yourself faithful. To the blameless, show yourself blameless. To the pure, show yourself pure. But to the devious, show yourself shrewd. If we've received mercy, we will show ourselves to have received mercy and we will be merciful uh, to others. And haven't we been shown great mercy? Christ gave his life for us uh, on the cross. And so how can then we not respond uh, to that with gratitude by showing mercy uh, to others? Those who are in Christ's kingdom will uh, be like him will be known for their likeness uh, to the King, the one who came to bring mercy and forgiveness to a world living in darkness. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I love this verse. It's a wonderful uh, verse. Who can see God? 
Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord, as Psalm 24 says? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Who can see God? Who can ascend his holy mountain? Only those with pure hearts. And the only way that we can have a pure heart is through Christ. Our hearts are sinful, yet Christ comes and cleanses our hearts. If we trust in him, our heart is pure. And we have that great promise that one day we will see God face to face. Because our hearts have been made pure by Jesus. What an amazing privilege it is to be part of his kingdom. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Uh, children reflect something of the character of their parents. And so we as God's children will reflect his character uh, in our lives. And so he is uh, the one who brings peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Uh, and so we as part of his kingdom uh, will be peacemakers. We will uh, show peace to others. Because God is a God of peace. It's not peace at any price. It's peace uh, that brings uh, good, that overcomes evil uh, with good. We are to be peacemakers. And as we go about uh, living out who we are as citizens uh, of heaven, uh, it won't be easy, it'll be hard. And that leads us to verse 10 and the last beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be part of the kingdom of heaven is an amazing privilege. We are in the king's kingdom. But living in his kingdom and living out who we are as his citizens won't always be a bed of roses. It will be hard. As people recognize us as followers of Christ, we will be hated and persecuted. If Jesus suffered, so too will his people. And so be prepared to be hated for being a follower of Christ. Be prepared for persecution. Don't go out looking for it, but be ready for it. And don't be surprised when it does come. But we have that great promise where we began, we end with, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus continues that idea in verse 11. Blessed are those, uh, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. No follower of Christ is immune uh, to persecution, to being insulted, to being hated. Peter says in his letter that we're aliens and strangers in the world. Persecution will come. And when it does, we're not to hide away or give up. Instead, uh, we are to rejoice and be glad. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad. And we sit there thinking as we read these verses, how? If we're getting insulted from all places, if we're being persecuted uh, falsely accused of saying things, how can we rejoice and be glad? How can we be overjoyed? Uh, literally, uh, that word, be glad, 
means to skip and jump with happy excitement. How can we skip and jump with happy excitement when we are facing such hatred and persecution? But we can because verse 12 continues. Because great is your reward in heaven. We can do that because of what is to come. Whatever we face in this this world, whatever suffering we have, whatever persecution comes our way, that will disappear. That will vanish. That will not last forever. Whereas our, uh, our eternal home, whereas heaven, that will last forever. This life is just a vapor. Heaven uh, is forever. And so we can rejoice and we can be glad and we can skip uh, along with great uh, excitement because of what is to come for us. We have that great and certain hope of, it, of heaven. Uh, no amount of persecution can take that away, not even death. That is our certain guarantee. Eternity in heaven. And verse 12 goes on, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we do uh, suffer for being a follower of Christ, when we are insulted and persecuted, we're in good company. The prophets of old uh, suffered greatly as they brought the word of God, as they were obedient to him. And we stand with those faithful prophets uh, of old. We stand with all those who have gone before us. Those who have brought us the good news of Christ. And so in one sense, when we do face persecution, when we're insulted and hated for being a follower of Christ, that should bring assurance to us. Because Jesus says, if you're in my kingdom, if you're a follower of me, that is what will happen. And so yes, it will be hard. And yes, we have to work hard at trusting Christ. But it should Uh, bring authenticity to our faith. Not that we're going out looking for insults, but when they come because of our righteousness and our Christ-likeness, we have this great hope to look forward to. We stand with those faithful prophets of old and it should bring assurance uh, to our faith that we are one of His. Thank you. That was the right point to cheer then. And so we have uh, these verses, Matthew 5, 2 to 12, which show us who the blessed ones are. These are the people, this is what it looks like uh, to be one who has found salvation in Christ. We're not going to continue because uh, only a few months ago we looked at salt and light. And as those uh, who live in Christ's kingdom like this, you are salt and light and you are light in the world. And so we're, ha- we're to have that good influence in the world, in a world that is decaying. We are to be salt that slows down that process. And we're to be light in the world, uh, shining the light of Christ into a dark uh, world, being ready uh, to proclaim the good news uh, to those around us. Christ's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It's contrary uh, to the world, where the world might say, Uh, It is the rich and the powerful, those who trample over others, those who show no mercy to others. They are the blessed ones. Well, Christ said no. The blessed ones are those who are poor in spirit, who mourn over sin, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are merciful 
who are pure in heart, peacemakers, those who are persecuted for being followers of Christ, that we are the blessed ones. We know the salvation that comes from Christ. And so as we hear these verses, uh, we're to go into the world and live out who we are in Christ. Let's live out uh, who we are as citizens of his kingdom. These are not entry requirements, uh, but it does show us who we are and how we are to live as people of his kingdom. And as we do that, yes, some will, re- will reject, some will hate us, some will uh, persecute us. But as verse 16 says, as, as we let our light shine before others, that we do so that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And so go, live out who you are. Some will reject, but we pray that some will see how great our God is, what Christ has done for us, and bow the knee to the King and be brought into his kingdom.